Welcome to another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. I don't want to stick a key into someone's eye. I don't want to hurt him that badly. We're going to listen to a story today written by my favorite author. He's become my favorite author, Gavin DeBecker. And when you listen to this story, listen to how often this woman's intuition speaks to her. And it doesn't always speak in these long, drawn-out sentences. Sometimes it's simply one word, but it speaks to her. And I want to ask you, Can you learn something when you look into somebody's eyes? Is your first thought the right thought when your eyes meet somebody else's and your stomach turns? What about the logos that people wear on their clothes? What about the sayings that people wear across a t-shirt? Does that matter? Is that a warning sign when you're dealing with people out in public? And then, of course, the importance of having a plan, of knowing a plan, and that if you were ever in a vulnerable situation, does it matter that you know what to do? Let's take a listen. Friday was the one evening each week that Holly spent entirely with Kate, usually along with other mothers and their daughters met through Kate's school. This particular Friday, the plan was an early meal at a restaurant, followed by a movie. At dinner, the women were protective, as always, but they'd recently initiated a new freedom, letting the girls sit at a nearby table on their own. The tables were close enough for Holly to see that her daughter wasn't eating much. It interfered with talking, but she didn't bug Kate about that in front of her friends. She was eight now, old enough to be embarrassed. If you took away their 25-year age difference... Holly and her daughter were like twins, both slender with short dark hair and large blue eyes. Both liked to talk and to laugh and both loved movies. This particular Friday, their movie would be Jurassic Park. After dinner, Holly decided to leave the car at the restaurant and take advantage of the extra warm night by walking the two blocks to the theater with Kate. None of the other mothers chose to walk, one of them noting, the sun will be down when we get out and i don't want to have to uh, i don't want and i don't want us to have to make our way back to the car in the dark so kate and holly enjoyed the walk on their own at the theater they joined the six other mothers and their seven daughters who were already doing what steven spielberg has made worthwhile for millions of people standing in line a man ahead of them looked at holly as if they knew each other. He was about 30 years old, tall and a little pudgy, with very short blonde hair. He was wearing loose-fitting sweatpants and a too-small t-shirt with the words, Afraid of the Dark, across the chest. Holly was sure they'd never met. Just as he appeared about to say something, she decided to turn away. At that moment, he asked her, Ladies' night out? Uh Uh-huh. Holly sort of responded. She was thinking about Jeff Goldblum, her favorite actor. To her, the dinosaurs would be only a distraction. The man had another question. Taking in all the mothers and daughters, he asked, What's the idea? Safety in numbers?
Holly nodded, but she was thinking, bug off. She wasn't sure why, but she knew she did not like him. After the line, after the candy debates with the girls, but we're still hungry and all the who will sit next to who contests, and after all the mid-movie trips to the bathroom, the world was saved from prehistoric predators and the group was gathered in the lobby saying goodnight. One of the other mothers offered Holly and Kate a ride to their car, but Holly declined. It's just a couple of blocks, and even after that film, I'm not afraid of the dark. As she heard herself saying those words, she felt apprehension about walking. Just a soft whisper that said, don't. So she changed her mind and accepted the ride. At that moment, Kate needed to use the bathroom again. So the other girls piled into the van and waited. Keeping an eye on the bathroom door and an eye on the anxious to leave kids, Holly overruled that soft whisper and concluded that the logical thing to do was walk back to her car. It didn't make sense to keep everybody waiting. And anyway, she thought, I don't want to be one of those people who's scared to walk a couple of blocks. She called out to the mother driving the van. Hey, we'll just walk. You sure? Yep. But the moment the van pulled out of the parking lot, Holly wasn't sure anymore. She was uneasy about that man. That man she didn't like in line. Not much to be concerned about, she told herself. But as she and Kate walked along the quiet street, past closed shops and empty parking lots, Holly felt something unfamiliar to her, but also unmistakable. Fear. Fear of that man. But she wondered why. Maybe he'd been within earshot when she declined the ride and registered that they'd be walking. That might be part of it. He appeared to be attending the movie alone, and that might be part of it. He was intrusive and looked at her strangely, and that was definitely part of it. But even without knowing all the reasons, Holly listened to her fear. When Kate said something about their neighbor's dog looking like a dinosaur, Holly laughed, but was really just taking an opportunity to throw her head back and look down the street. Bad news. That man was following them. Should she run, cross the street, scream? Just as she started to consider these options, fear took over and said, in effect, do what I tell you to do and I'll get you both through this. Holly put her hand on Kate's arm and sped up slightly. Though she didn't know it, fear was readying her body for action. Blood flow in her arms and legs was increasing. Lactic acid was heating up in her muscles. Her vision was becoming more focused. Her breathing and heartbeat more determined. For a hundred yards, Holly tried not to let her daughter know there was a problem. But the child knew. Mom, why? There's a strange man following us and I want to get to the car in a hurry. Let's run, Kate said adventurously, but Holly held her daughter's arm firmly in response. Fear had put a solid plan in her head. Do not run, because then I'll have to run after you, and he'll be faster than you and Kate. 
when you reach the car, unlock it with the key instead of the remote control because the remote control would unlock all the doors and you want to unlock only one. Put Kate in the driver's side door and have her climb over to her seat. Then get in yourself, lock the door, hold down the horn while starting the car and drive away. Most of what happened happened according to plan. But as she stood waiting for Kate to get across the inside of the car, the man was already at the passenger door. Holly looked directly at him over the roof of her car. Though no words were spoken, they were communicating. The man's communication was basically this. You are my victim. And Holly's response was, no, actually, I'm not. Holly heard the latch as the man tried to open Kate's door once, twice, and then he gave up. He walked calmly around toward the driver's side door. By then, Holly was in her seat, watching him get closer. Before she could swing her legs into the car, the man was upon her. He was occupied mostly with trying to control her legs, which were kicking powerfully. Holly watched her own impressive resistance with some detachment because she was trying to figure out the origin of a constant loud noise. Then she realized she was holding down the button for the car horn, just as fear had told her to do. Loud as it was, she still heard a soft whisper in her head, ignition key. While her legs kicked, she regarded the key, amazed to find herself thinking about sticking it into this man's eyes. She felt no great rush to act because his full attention was on trying to gain control of her uncontrollable legs, and that wasn't going to happen. Holly worried that he might have a gun, but fear interrupted her with an assurance she accepted. He does not. His face was right in front of her, and here is what Holly was thinking. I don't want to stick a key into someone's eye. I don't want to hurt him that badly. On the other hand, he obviously plans to hurt me, and I have to protect Kate. If I stick a key in his eye, he'll stop this. But I really don't want to blind a person. Obviously, though, I'm not going to let him hurt Kate. All of this thinking was pointless. That's because as Holly was going over her options, it turns out she had already stuck the key into this man's eye and already had placed it into the ignition. She had already started the car, and the man was already sitting on the ground beside the open door, doing what men do when something sharp is stuck in their eye. The force of the car accelerating caused Holly's door to slam, and immediately there was silence. That is when she stopped thinking about what to do and slowly realized she'd already done it. I love a success story. I love when women fight for their lives because if you fight, you can survive. And I love that Holly fought. And and something strikes me with this story, and that is her daughter Kate is in every thought. I've got to protect Kate. I've got to keep Kate safe, which is really an innate trait for all parents. And my question to you is this. Would you do the same for yourself. If it was just you, would you fight like that? Would you have a plan like that? Would you take initiative like that? Because you should. Whether your child is with you or not, you deserve 
to be treated well and you deserve to be kept safe. As you move about this world, be like Holly. Think about the things she did to stay safe. And one of the things that she did without even realizing it, she processed what he was wearing, a pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt. And in that outfit, there was nowhere to hide a gun. And when it came time to fight for her life, instinctively and intuitively, she knew that he didn't have a gun. That, my friends, is being vigilant. It's a battle for women to stay safe. You ask a woman when's the last time that they made a decision about their safety, most likely it's every day. And you ask a man, hey, when's the last time you made a decision to make sure that you stayed safe? Ask somebody, ask somebody that question and then compare it to women and see how often men feel vulnerable compared to women. There's one quote in this book by Gavin DeBecker, and he states that deep down in the core, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. And deep down in our core as women, we are afraid that a man will kill us. Think about that. There's a lot of truth in that. When we are vulnerable and we come upon the wrong individual, that is a lot of our thought process. Scary stuff, but it's true. It's true. Now listen, you be vigilant out there. You be safe. Don't be afraid to look people in the eye. Look people in the eye all the time. And when you get that funny feeling in your stomach, it's your intuition. Let's leave those people out of our lives. I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. Mm-hmm.